Welcome to our assembly. I'll introduce the sermon in just a few moments. It's going to be based on something in Matthew 5 and verse 8. First, I should like to explain my absence next Sunday. You may have observed this on the board in the back. I'll be in Dallas next weekend for an event hosted by the Westside Church of Christ in Irving. Five gospel preachers will be seated on a panel to address issues of racial division. And we're going to do that by taking the audience to Scripture. The remedy for hate and division is the gospel. And we will be speaking to a crowd of people with that theme. It is a little beyond the usual time away that I have. I have another meeting in October that will be my last for the year. Bill and I discussed this earlier in the year and agreed that this event in Dallas needed my attention. So Darrell and Herb will substitute for me next Sunday. Pray for me in that effort and for Paul and I in our travels next weekend. Now this evening, Matthew 5 and verse 8. I know you are familiar with this statement from the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We call that a beatitude. But we need not just throw that term out. We need to stop from time to time and describe what a beatitude is. A beatitude is a promise of blessing, but connected to a condition or response on our part. Let me say that again. A beatitude is a promise of blessing, but it's connected to a condition or response on our part. So when I see something like this in Matthew 5 and verse 8, if I am attracted to the promised blessing, I should look back in the beatitude and make certain that I am engaged in the condition or the response. In this case, if I want to be blessed by having God in my life and being with Him eternally, I should make certain my heart is pure. There is the highest amount of clarity about that truth. There are no layers of complication to navigate deep into. If I want to be blessed as described in this verse... I should make certain my heart is pure. But then, what does that mean? And that's our starting place. The word pure in this verse is a condition of mind that is clean, cleansed by the gospel, and then maintained by our submission to the example and teaching of Christ. Let me state that again for emphasis. Pure in this verse describes that condition of mind that is clean, cleansed initially by your obedience to the gospel, (coughs) maintained by your continued submission to the example and teaching of Christ. Now, I think one of the conclusions that we are likely to draw about purity 
is that it pertains only to avoiding sexual sins. It certainly does pertain to sexual sins. Marriage is defined by God as a relationship of purity. Throughout the New Testament, sexual purity is upheld and warnings are issued about sexual immorality and all that leads to and contributes to that way of life. So it can be nailed down that to be pure in heart does take in determination to reject temptation that invites us into sexual immorality. But does that exhaust the meaning of biblical purity? Turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and find verse 17. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. The wisdom from above is from God and is comprehensive, not limited to avoiding sexual sin, not limited to one type of sin. When you have wisdom from God that you're using in your life, all the different kinds of sin are going to be avoided. Purity pertains to a clean, good heart as we submit to all the wisdom that is from above. Likewise, in James, back in chapter 1, verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God. So, I should think of purity as a condition of heart that is clean, not just with respect to a certain category of sin, but all categories and kinds of sin. Pure in heart means a heart that is clean in submission to God in every way God has directed us to think and speak and live. To express that another way with even more specification, consider these examples. Hatred is not pure. Malice is not pure. Revenge is not pure. Prejudice is not pure. Indifference to the authority of Scripture is not pure. To express this in positive terms, there should be purity of dress, purity of speech, purity in our worship, purity in our use of money and things, doctrinal purity, purity in how we treat people. Purity is as broad and large as every word of God that addresses what should and should not be in our minds. Now, remember where we started? Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, what can I do about all this? How can I take this truth we have reviewed into my life every day? I want to offer from Scripture these three resolutions. 
These three resolutions. Number one, I should say to myself, and you should say this to yourself, I am capable of purity. A part of our downfall before God is wrongly convincing ourselves that we just can't do what God has said. Though we can read what He said, though we can understand what He said, Though we can even tell others what he said, we incorrectly sometimes tell ourselves that we can't do it. We can't be pure. When we think we are incapable of doing what God has said, we're not listening to God. We're listening to the devil. The devil wants to whisper into our minds that we can't do what God has said. So, one of the biggest steps we can take toward righteousness and purity is to let God's Word convince us that we can think and act in keeping with His Word. Here is a text that may help us in that regard. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God wants us to overcome temptation, and He's made the way for us to escape. God grants to us the capacity the capability to be pure in all areas of living. I say to young people that you have a choice. The social pressures make it seem like you have to do what others are doing. To be liked, to get along, to be cool. It may seem like you must do everything that the other young folks are doing. Here's the way I want you to think of that. When you imitate the crowd, you've become a slave to the crowd. You have surrendered your independence. You've given up free choice. But worse, you've turned away from serving God to move into a life of impurity. So say to yourself, young or adult, I am capable of purity. I can do what God wants me to do. He is the highest and perfect master. Submitting to the world and following the crowd is something I don't have to do. I am capable of purity. I should say to myself, therefore, I am committed to purity. Commitment to God, personal commitment, resolves so many problems and prevents a host of downfalls. Name a problem in your relationship with God that isn't related to commitment. I'll give you another minute. Name a problem in your relationship with God that isn't related to commitment. You can't. It's an empty list. 
See, when you start naming problems and issues in your relationship with God, it's all going to come out at the bottom of that list as related to your personal commitment to Him. So start naming those problems or issues. Worldliness, dishonesty, failure to thrive spiritually, willful absence from worship, neglect of prayer, and go ahead and add anything else that intrudes upon your relationship with God. Where does that all take you? Personal commitment to God. I found this definition of commitment, I believe, is good. The act of binding yourself to a course of action. The act of binding yourself to a course of action. Intellectually, emotionally, in attitude and plans and choices, binding yourself to a course of action. We must do that with regard to purity, being clean as God defines it in every way that God defines it, not just narrowly about some particular sin. I can be pure in heart and clean in my attitudes and thoughts if I've made that commitment. In Philippians 4 and verse 8, you'll remember this as soon as I read it. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I need to be committed to that. There are men who fall into sexual immorality because they were never really committed to purity. There are women who have so sinned, having never really made a commitment to be pure. Where does this kind of purity begin in your mind with a firm commitment to be clean and right before God? In your mind where you do not allow anything in but those attributes of righteousness that are celebrated here in Philippians 4 and verse 8. I offer this word to men and to boys from time to time. Today, it is the legal sensualities, the culturally acceptable indulgences, which can take men and boys down. The long hours of indiscriminate TV watching, which in so many cases is designed for the eyes of men, read a book a number of years ago by R. Kent Hughes, The Disciplines of Godly Men. And he said this, The expected male talk, double entendre, coarse humor, laughter at things which ought to make us blush, is a spiritually deadly agent. Acceptable sensualities have insidiously Soften Christian men, as statistics well attest. A man who succumbs to this desensitizing from the media of the legal sensualities is primed for a fall. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7 says to all of us, male or female, young or old, discipline yourselves 
for the purpose of godliness. Third, I will be consistent. Now, this may be the stumbling block to overall purity before God. This may be where the challenge is. So let's talk about consistency. What happens if you go to work part of the week, but just don't feel like it the rest of the week, distracted by pleasures or pastimes? How long does that job last? What happens if as a spouse you are faithful part of the time, but in some serial fashion you betray your mate? What happens if you are a good parent today, but you are negligent and belligerent tomorrow? Don't remember where I first heard this. The jewel of Christian character is consistency. Being what you ought to be, with solid regularity, habits and responses in life that you derive from your commitment to God, knowing that you are capable of purity in every way God defines it. Philippians 1.27, Paul said to the church at Philippi, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul wanted these Christians to be consistent in their manner of life. But Paul was expressing what God wants of all of us, not just occasional good works or verbal profession. Paul said, whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. Purity in life, in every way the Bible defines it, is something every one of us is capable of, but it requires commitment, commitment that follows through day after day and shows consistency. That's the lesson. Purity in life, in every way the Bible defines it, is something every one of us is capable of, but it requires commitment that continues and therefore shows itself to be consistent. J.B. Phillips translates Matthew 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the utterly sincere. I think that's it. Blessed are the utterly sincere. In all aspects of my life, I need to be utterly sincere before God. Not just in this way or in this way, but in every way God has defined a clean heart, a sincere commitment to Him. Every one of us are capable of it. It requires commitment that shows itself in consistency. If we are to restore New Testament Christianity, we must restore more than just baptism and autonomy and scriptural worship. 
We must restore purity of life in every way God has directed. I'm going to conclude with Hebrews 10, 21 and 22. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Should you need to respond to the Lord this evening, we invite that response while we stand together to sing.